Pastor Ed Taylor has this to say about prophecy, a manifestation of the Spirit. When we see that gifting working today, it often comes with a strong impression or a thought in your mind. God impresses upon you a word, a sentence, something encouraging, edifying, exhorting. And he also gives you the strength to share it. And as you obey by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you to naturally share the word that he sent to you, very naturally. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is on the air, and glad you could be a part of today's study in the Word with Pastor Ed Taylor. Here lately, we've been discussing the nine manifestations of the Spirit, laid out for us in 1 Corinthians 12. So there you are visiting with a friend, and the Lord impresses on your heart to speak a word into their life and situation. Right away, you're thinking, well, this is a bit awkward or uncomfortable. While that may be the case, we'll learn today that as we're open to this manifestation of the Spirit, prophecy, God can accomplish great things. Here's Ed. You want to escape the coming judgment? Believe in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. Acknowledge your sins before Him tonight. Recognize that your life is not right with God. That you don't have a relationship. You can say that you do, but you know you don't. You can say that, oh, I don't have anything against God, Ed. I don't have anything against church. I mean, I'm here, aren't I? Yeah, you're here, but are you you in relationship? It's one thing to be in a physical location. It's a whole other thing to be in relationship with the people in that same location. And Jesus is here now. He died. They buried him in the tomb and thought that there was such a great victory. Look. We're so confident that we've taken, we're going to seal it and put guards there just in case somebody tries to come and steal his body. Because, you know, he did talk about rising again the third day. And there was no stone, no seal, no Roman soldier that could hold Jesus back from the resurrection power. And Jesus is alive now in and among us. And you can be in the same room with Jesus and not be in relationship with him. Well, Ed, how do you know that? I know because Jesus said there's going to be a group of people in eternity that are going to be utterly surprised. Because when they review their life, they're going to talk about all the great things they did for Jesus. Haven't I done this for you, Jesus? And haven't I done this for you, Jesus? And the list is impressive. And the response from Jesus is, you guys need to depart from me. And you know why the reason he gave? Jesus says, you just need to depart. I saw all the good works you did, but I never knew you. We didn't connect. We never really, you never really did surrender. You still did your own thing. I saw, I saw, and this is what it looks like. You got the, the good deed on Monday, and then right after, you're just back to doing your own thing. Doing your own thing. Doing your own thing. It's almost like you can schedule your good deeds. Because it does feel good to do good. <laughs> 
It feels bad to do bad, as it should, and it feels good to do good. But without relationship, what's the point? Do you think you're going to earn salvation? Is that what you've been taught? That if you work really hard, then God might like you? He might accept you? Can I just tell you that there's no good deed whatsoever that you could ever do in your life that would bridge the gap between you and God? God will not be a debtor to anyone. He doesn't owe us anything. But out of his gracious love for humanity, for his creation gone bad, he sent Jesus Christ to take care of the penalty for our sin. I'm sure you've heard it before, but the Bible boldly declares that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That word all is a pretty big word. It's not too big in the English, but it encompasses everyone. You can't say, I'm not all. Yes, you are. Oh, not me. I've been. No, you are. You're all. Because if you look up that word in the original language, all, you know what it means? All. Not all except you or me. I lived that way for many years. Just looking at my life and just thinking, you know, I'm not that bad. Everyone around me like, dude, you're horrible. But for me, I'm not that bad. Because in my mind, there was always these scales that, that if I, I did all this bad, I could just make it up with a few good things. And I'm always trying to balance the scales. I'm always trying to make sure and look at my life and analyze my life. Countless millions of people live their life today the same exact way. That even might be you. That, that illustration is exactly what you go to bed with at night. The scale. And, and it's imbalanced. Some days it's better than others. But you never can get it, can you? <laughs> You just never can get it. You just never can work it out. It almost feels like the scales are fixed. No, the scales are perfect, but the weight of your sin is insurmountable. God doesn't throw out a fake scale for you and try to take advantage. Matter of fact, the Bible says with that illustration of scales, that dishonest scales is sin. God doesn't throw a dishonest scale towards you. The scales are perfect. But you know, the weight of your sin is so heavy that I'm surprised you see any movement in your dream. It is just so heavy. It, just, there's in, it is insurmountable. You, you, that means you could work religiously your entire life and still miss Jesus and still miss salvation. That's how heavy the weight of sin is. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That's another way of saying all have sinned are not, and are not perfect like God. And it wouldn't take long for us to talk to you to find at least one little mistake you've made in your life, which that little mistake would make you imperfect. That little mistake is typical, a picture of the weight of sin in your life. It doesn't take a big one. It doesn't take a huge one. It just takes being born. There's a doctrine of original sin. And the sin of Adam, that real man that fell headlong by choice into sin in the Garden of Eden, when he and Eve sinned and they came together and created a little kiddo, they could only create what they were. They couldn't create what they weren't. And because they were sinful human beings, then what came out of Eve was a sinful little human being. And that's just been the heritage till you and me. But there's a way out. The acceptable year of the Lord is being preached to you. The offer of salvation is being presented to you. Even though the wages, sometimes we kind of think that God owes us. God owes us nothing we actually owe him. 
The wages of sin, what we get paid for in sin is death. And it's not just physical death, but physical death is a reminder that sin is still with us. But I also see the wages of sin and death in a whole different, all sorts of different ways. Of course, there's spiritual death. That's an eternity of judgment, separation from God. It works this way. You you can't live your whole world on the earth not wanting anything to do with God and think after you die, all of a sudden you want. You change your mind. You can't change your mind after death. The Bible says it's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. You can't change your mind. You don't get a second chance. You don't go into some limbo purgatory place where you can work it off or somebody can buy you out. Those places don't exist. It's it. This is the time to make the choice. This is it. You're not going to get a second chance. You didn't want to live for God on the earth. What makes you think you're going to change your mind? You're going to get what you asked for. You ask God for the forgiveness of your sins by placing your faith in Jesus, you're going to get what you ask for. You shake your fist at God your whole life and say you want nothing to do with Him, you're going to get what you ask for. Today's the day. I mean, if you have a, you're listening in and you have a breath, and you can understand my voice. God wants you to believe. That's the way out. This prophecy, notice this manifestation. Turn over to Luke now. You're already there, chapter 1, just so you can see it. And in just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ, to decide. God has brought you to a point of decision, and we're not going to leave here without giving you a chance to express yourself. And then for the very first time, you can take of the elements of communion, the broken bread that speaks of Jesus' broken body for you, the cup of juice, the fruit of the vine that speaks of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. you I mean, what a, what a, how awesome that would that be for you not only to walk into salvation, but also then take the elements of your Savior. Powerful. Wonderful. And here in Zechariah, or here in Luke chapter 1, from verses 67 all the way through verse 80... Really, you just, I just want you to see verse 67, but you can read the rest. Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and, what does your Bible say? Prophesied. See how prophecy is associated with the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he was used. Again, turn over to Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Peter. Peter was a, he is so encouraging. The more I study his letters, the more I study his life, the more I study his mistakes, the more I study him getting up, he is like so encouraging. This brother got used all the way to the end. And he's the same brother that stuck his his foot in his mouth. He's the same brother that Jesus told him to wait. And what did he say? Let's go fishing. No, no. And everybody went with him. And even God came, Jesus came to him and ministered to him, even though he wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. That's so encouraging. You ever feel like Peter? You ever study his life? You can go up on the internet, just look up all the instances of Peter, study his life. Tell me if you don't see a few glimpses in the mirror of your own life. Have you ever said something that right when it's coming off, right when the voice, right? You, you formulate, I mean, this happens in a millisecond. You're, ju- you're just, it's, it's, and it's just too late. It's just too late. Peter was like that. Passionate. I believe that he probably, even though John calls himself the apostle of love, the one that Jesus loved, I think if we were writing something about Peter, Peter would be the one that loved Jesus. 
I think that was his personality. I think that he was a passionate, all-in kind of guy and expressing in a very loving way. And God used him. We've seen him so many times as the manifestations of the Spirit because apart from the Spirit, we're going to see Peter making a lot of mistakes. He, he makes a mistake so big that Paul has to come and rebuke him. But here in verse 37, this strong word of prophecy, they were cut to the heart when Peter was preaching and Peter and the rest of the apostles said, well, he said to uh, Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent. Do you know it's not easy to tell people to repent? You could say it, but it's not easy. For some of you, you're going to need the manifestation of the of prophecy in order to say, speak forth boldly. You, you just, you, you know, you're talking, you, there's somebody, some of you, somebody's popping in your mind right now. And you know you need to say it, but man, you don't want to say it. You can pray, God, give me a manifestation of that of prophecy. I want to speak forth your word boldly. It's not easy to look someone in the eye, especially someone you know and love, and go, bro, your deal, all this stuff is you just need to repent. You need to turn your life around, because if you don't, this path is leading in a direction that's going to greatly harm you, greatly hurt you, pull you down, take you away from the things of God. And so he tells them to repent and tells them to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 40, many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Comfort, exhortation, edification is this prophecy. We're also reminded of Paul's letter when he tells young Timothy, young Pastor Timothy, who was wrestling and struggling with his youth and with his weakness. And he was struggling in a way when it was time for him to grow up, but he just wouldn't grow up. He just wouldn't step up. And Paul needed to come alongside of him. And he told them, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And he says, this is 1 Timothy 4.13. Do not neglect the gift that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. So it was the gifting of prophecy that God gave to speak into Timothy's life. And when he was struggling, Paul said, don't forget, you're in the ministry because somebody spoke a word of prophecy over your life. Even coming here to Colorado, I had some situations happen in my life where I looked at it and I thought I had it all figured out. But in just the normal prayer, we we came up on the stage just like this and Pastor Jeff laid hands on us. And as he was praying, he prayed specifically for Calvary Chapel Aurora. He prayed that specifically. But what he didn't know, or at least I thought he didn't know or thought he should know, is that already when we had gone back, We had already found out that there was a Calvary Chapel here and we were going to another city. And so as I was praying, I was kind of arguing with him in my heart. No, Pastor Jeff, no, no, it's not Calvary Chapel. We're not going to be a part of Calvary Chapel Aurora. I don't. But you know what he was doing? He's speaking prophecy into my life. I had it all figured out. There was already a group here. I was going to move somewhere else. I was fine. Not going to build on another man's foundation. I had no problem with it. And, And I'm trying to correct my pastor's prayer. Like, no, 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 no. But he does that often. Just speaking a word of prophecy. Before I left, one of the wives of a good friend of mine had received a word and spoke into my life. And she was kind of real nervous and just like, hey, Ed, I just want you to know that uh, I, I think that the Lord is, is, I think the Lord wants me to tell you that you're going to be a pastor to thousands. <laughs> Come on. Right now it's zero. <laughs> and it was hard to receive because that's not my desire. My desire is just to minister to the people in front of me. 
But God had given something to plant into my life, a word of prophecy of what would come in the future. Think about the things that God has spoken to you. Hold on to them. Even with, you have it all figured out, don't you? You see it, you analyze it. Oh no, can't be that. Lord, it can't be that. It can't be that. No, the Lord's spoken a word, just like Timothy. You hold on to that. Timothy, I know you're doubting your calling. I know people are coming against you. I know you're struggling. I know you're young. I know you're sick. I know you make youthful mistakes. But you hold on to the calling in your life when there was a prophecy spoken over you and the eldership was used by God to encourage you in the ministry. And you got to hold on to those things that the Lord speaks into your life. And when we see that gifting working today, it often comes with a strong impression or a thought in your mind. God impresses upon you a word, a sentence, something encouraging, edifying, exhorting. And he also gives you the strength to share it. And as you obey by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, he'll lead you to naturally share the word that he sent to you, very naturally. The word of God comes forth from pulpits across the country, across the world. But the pulpit is not the only place that the word of God comes forth. God has gifted pastors and teachers, but he's also sent prophets and men and women with the manifestation of prophecy to speak forth the word to you. Showing up in the places that you would have never expected at times where you didn't even, you couldn't even, man, that's just a surprise. There is a caution. And that is when someone shares a word with you, you need to check it out by the word. And that people can, you know, the, the guy, ladies, you be careful. A guy could come up to you tonight and say, God has spoken to me. You are to be my wife. And you don't even need to check that by the word, do you? Because you're like, dude, I'm married. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> so don't get all weirded out where, oh, hey, Ed, Ed just set everybody up. I can go speak words. No, you check them by the word of God. You, you know, God has spoken to me that you are to give me your car. Most likely, the word that you really heard is that you're to give your car. That sounds like from the Lord. And even if it is, what I have found in scriptures, we looked at this many times and we're running out of time, but we looked at this many times that when God is speaking over here, he's also speaking over here and they're coming together. Like you come up with a word and some weird thing, it's nothing scriptural. And I'm like, hey, I don't think that's from the Lord because he's got my number. He knows how to connect with me. And he hasn't spoken to me that way. And, and so we'll just wait and just see it comes to pass. Or if it's completely anti-biblical, then I could just dismiss it. And then you got to be careful. You'd be surrounded by false prophets. And you'd be fortunate that the penalty for false prophets in the Old Testament isn't the same today. Because false prophets were stoned to death. So be careful. You would presume to take the word of God and use it in a selfish way. Be Bereans. Study the word. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 that you can, verse 39, that you can earnestly desire that you would move in the realm of prophecy. Notice that with me as we wind down. 1 Corinthians 14. He just says straight up, and we'll get into this chapter later, but brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. And you know what the Bible says in Hosea? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Ties it all in. God doesn't want you to be ignorant. He doesn't want you lacking knowledge when things are pretty clear in the scripture. He wants you to know them and walk in his ways. 
The Bible says that there are days coming in Amos chapter 8 that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And so I would say, church, speak forth the word of prophecy, the manifestation of prophecy boldly as the Holy Spirit gives you the unction or the impression or the leading in grace and love. Powerful stuff. And you can start to see now where there are those awkward situations that you might be in, but God led you to it, and it's not that awkward after all. It's just uncomfortable. Like, whoa. Some of you are like, I do not want that gift. No, the Bible says desire it. Desire it. Can you imagine what would happen in the church today if we were really walking in the Spirit? If we were really open to the manifestation of the Spirit? Can you imagine? You can see all of these that we've looked to, and we're going to see how all the manifestations work together, but they're not selfish. They're, they're not selfish. They're not designed to bring any attention to people. It's simply to give the attention that's due God on the earth today. So that you use the gift and then the person that's receiving it, that manifestation, they're receiving it, and you both glorify God for what he has done. And then you take it with you. I mean, there are things that have been spoken in my life I'll take with me right into eternity. That I was searching and growing, and, and then the Lord just at the right time. I, I, sometimes I think God would send people, he says, that boy's just not getting it. And he sends somebody that can say it in just the way where, I got it. Yes, I received that from you, Lord. Thank you for your exhortation. I needed to move. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for your building me up because I've been really beat up over this. Been really bummed out. Thank you for sending that to me. Thank you for telling me to make a decision because I've been dragging my heels on that one. Or I've had times where God has spoken a word of prophecy to me. Uh, somebody sent, sent a word of prophecy to me that they, a decision needed to be made. And I didn't even know it needed to be made until somebody came and said, this is what's going on. And I'm like, wow. And I tell you, the more we move in the manifestations of the spirit, the less and less credit you will take for the work of God in your life. And Jesus will be glorified for that. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear this message again, request a CD copy for $2. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. I'll repeat that in just a second. You'll also find Pastor Ed's teachings at calvaryaurora.org. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through the website at calvaryaurora.org. Ed, we've just entered into October this week, and that means we have a new resource to talk about. What do we have as our pick of the month? I'm really excited about our pick of the month because it matches our pick in September. It's a book by Gene Edwards entitled Tale of Three Kings. You have got to pick this up. Please pick them up together. Uh, I noticed on Amazon they often put them together. Please get Tale of Three Kings and the book The Prisoner in the Third Cell. And again, uh, we would love for you to get them from us to support us in the ministry, but you don't have to. Uh, just get the books and let them encourage you. Uh, let them build you up. But we would love to have you support our ministry, but it's okay if you get it somewhere else. And here's the deal with Tale of Three Kings. If you've ever been hurt, let me see a show of hands out there. Have you ever been hurt in a church or by another believer? Now put your hands back on the wheel because I know all the hands went up. And that's just the way it is. We've been hurt. And in Tale of Three Kings, especially in leadership and in serving. 
In Tale of Three Kings, Gene Edwards, he lays out for you the options when you get hurt. Number one, you can be like King Saul and just be a vicious spear thrower. Number two, you can be like Absalom and undermine and seek to uh, hurt other leaders that are hurting you. Or thirdly, we can be like David. Uh, and that is just to trust and trust our lives to the Lord and keep our eyes firmly fixed on him. And I know that all of us want to be a David, but as Gene Edwards says, and I'll give you a little uh, spoiler alert, uh, in his book he says, we all have a little King Saul in us. And it's true. Please get this book. It will minister to your heart. It's a book I read three or four times a year. It's a very quick read, uh, probably over a little bit over an hour, uh, maybe a little bit longer, but not much. It's an easy read, and it'll minister to your soul. Tale of Three Kings, you got to get it. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Gene Edwards' book, A Tale of Three Kings. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryaurora.org. Then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the Word of God. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.